well, it's good to leave behind for me the relative quiet of Corvallis and come and spend this day, this Sunday, celebrating Masses here with all of you. And it's wonderful to see so many good friends and new faces as well. We read this very almost puzzling gospel in which Jesus speaks in the language of prophecy and speaking about the unfolding of history and the end times in, a, in the kind of words that we may find in the book of Revelation of the Apostle John. And we can imagine that for the Jewish people listening to these words, the, just the thought that the temple of Jerusalem could be destroyed would be so appalling. Because for them, you know, the temple was the visible sign of the presence of God the sign of the covenant, of the stability of Israel. And so for them to, the destruction of the temple was associated with the end of the world. And yet this prophecy of Jesus was fulfilled only a few decades after he pronounced those words. In fact, in the year 70 AD, Roman troops destroyed the temple. And of course, history continued after that. It was not the end of the world. But it was the end of the world as they knew it. For pious Jews, that was the end of their world, in a sense. You know? And we can think of, in the sense of many catastrophes like that one, or many significant events that are epoch-making or epoch-changing, that basically change the landscape of the world. You know, I was talking to a man recently in the parish, and he says, Father, I'm... I've seen that happen in my lifetime. I'm 70, and the, you know, I can tell you the world of 1950 does not exist anymore. And it's true. It's different. And Portland is not the same city that it was a few decades ago. Even in your, our personal lives, maybe you go through the loss of someone you love or someone who moves away, the end of a relationship, uh, a difficult time in your career, a change of jobs, a new place, and you can say, well, that the, the map that you had to navigate the world is not as useful any longer because that world has changed. But the coordinates you had to guide you in life are no longer there. And so you're thrown into this time of crisis and readjustment. I think that for the most part, God wants stability in our lives, because he knows that that's how we function well. We, we cannot live in constant turmoil. We need some predictability and stability around us. But he, at times, he also allows periods of crisis, of upheaval and change, because those can be the occasion for us to grow deeper roots in our, in our lives, to, to develop deeper foundations in a way, because at times, maybe our foundation is, like these Jewish people, too much set on the costly stones of the temple. And the Lord says, you know, that's not enough. That's not good. Because, you know, anything could throw you down. Your life could collapse at any moment if that's, that's your identity. So at times, the Lord would say, I want you to grow much more solid than that. Now, it's not, you know... On the one hand, these external events can challenge us to readjust, to retrace our maps, and to relearn how to find orientation, right? 
How do clings to something that is more solid, that comes from, from God? But at times the, the situation, what, what holds us back is inside, is that we are holding on to something that's in there, that's my sort of sense of, source of security and not deep enough. And I think someone, you know, maybe the best analysis in, in literature, in one, one of the best analyses I've seen in, in, in such works is the one that C.S. Lewis does in The Great Divorce. You know, this story or this uh, dream in which um, different souls arrive at this beautiful landscape or twilight zone, I would say, between heaven and hell. They are still undecided which way they will go. You know, they will follow the light or will turn back and go away from God. And these other people, these bright spirits, come from heaven trying to encourage them to come along with them, come to the mountains. That's where the kingdom of God is. But these, many of these souls are still reluctant because there's something they need to let go of and they are not fully decided to do it. So one of them, for example, had been a scholar in, in life. And he, uh, one of his friends, one of his colleagues, comes over and says, well, just come along. We, we... And the other one says, well, but are you assuring me that I will have you know, the free reign of the intellect and I will be able to explore and ask, you know, all these, discuss all these different questions? And his friend says, well, no. Um, rather, you'll find the answer to the questions. And the man says again, the soul says, but that sense of finality is so stifling for the intellect, my friend. Like, I need to keep exploring. And, and the friend says, well, listen, why do you ask questions if you never expect to find the answer? And so on. And the, you know, this man was clinging to all these explorations in, in, with his mind, all this analyzing different possibilities. But it was just a game, a sort of intellectual game that he was so used to that he couldn't let go of it. Another one was an artist. He loved his paintings, his canvases, and one of his former friends came and said, you know, come along, and I'll show you perfect beauty. The paintings you're, you've done are symbols of that beauty, but I'll guide you to beauty itself. And his friend said, well, no, my art is the most precious thing to me. And the other one said, but listen, this you can plunge into the most beautiful source of all being and glory. Your canvases are nothing in comparison. But again, it was difficult. And then another one, uh, he was holding to this false image of himself and to a needy kind of love. You know, he pretended this is the character I am and it's a sort of needy, manipulating person. And he kind of thought, well, it's always worked for me this way, to act this way. And so I'm going to hold on to it. And his former wife said, Frank, that's killing you. Stop doing that. Come along with me. Learn what true love is. But Frank was sulking and not really willing to let go of that. And Lewis is masterful in how he presents this, all these different inner idols that can hold us back, that can become those costly stones of the temple that we cling to. And we would rather hold on to them than having, even than having God with us. So as a way to bring this home, as I thought I would present to you a couple of different scenarios that could maybe be the case you're, you find yourself in. And the first one is, you know, if you're going through, maybe you're going through a time of crisis right now. Maybe you find yourself in the middle of a storm 
and, and trying to find bearings. And I would say, in that case, you need to think of two things. The first one is that maybe the Lord is inviting you there to seek deeper. He's, a, he's having you go through this time that is a bit difficult so that you may, your heart may expand, your soul may be stretched, and you may find those more solid foundations. He's asking you to open up to his grace that he can guide you through this time. But then at the same time, something that is, I think, prudent advice that many saints give us is in times of, you know, especially when you're, you find yourself in, in the midst of confusing feelings and this heart, you find discouragement, don't make any life, you know, changing decisions. Don't make significant changes in your life. Just persevere, as the Lord says in the gospel, and that will guide you, that will save your life. Now, the second scenario may be that you're having a, a wonderful time. Maybe life is sunny, you find yourself, you know, having great peace and, and, new, and discovering new things. And if that's the case, I would say the, the thing to do is to develop good habits that will sustain you through difficult times. This, this is the good time. It's the time to develop those solid habits of life, of prayer, of good interactions, of a good support system that will be your strength when difficult things, moments come. Because let's face it, we will, all of us will have at some point some challenging situation in life. You know, you remember the story of Exodus when Joseph was brought to the king of Egypt, to Pharaoh, and Joseph said to him, you know, what Pharaoh has dreamt about is that Egypt will have seven years of abundance and then seven years of famine. And what you need to do is, in the years of abundance, you need to save all the th good things and store like all this you know, cereal and wheat and all that's going to keep you alive uh, in, through the difficult years. And that's what they did. And that's what we need to do. In good times, build on solid foundations, develop those good, good habits. And maybe there's a third situation. There's a situation in which you find that if I walk into this particular group or you know, project or whatever it is, I find myself very quickly in a bit of crisis mode or, or, or cha I'm challenged. At the same time, I, I think I, I may need to be there to some extent. Maybe there's a bit of my, my mission is connected with that, with that person, with that group, with that situation, but it, it throws me off. It, it, it does create some challenge to my peace and my well-being. And I think in that case, there's two things that you need to think about. One is if you can take it. And the other one is, well, is there sufficient reasons for you to be there, to expose yourself to that? Because if there's not much reason and you cannot, it's too hard for you to stay afloat, then maybe you should not. But in some cases, we need to. There was a man I knew that uh, he had a profound conversion. He grew up in a, in a, in a good stable family, but also a family that had its issues. It was a very negative environment. They were always bickering and criticizing each other and other people. And, and when this man, Chris, converted, he began to emerge from that and realize, you know, you can live with a different mindset. Doesn't have, all interactions don't have to be like that. And it was like a new life. But then he said, you know, when I go back, it's so difficult. It's like I spend a few days with my parents, and it's like this cloud comes down on me, and I feel this negativity over me again, and I, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, Chris, it's, 
It's a family. You cannot not love your parents and be with them, but maybe you had to gauge how, how long you extend your stay if it, if, if it affects you that way. But I think you may have a, some mission there. And he said it's true because even though my, my family, my brothers, my parents kind of call me the new Chris now, um, I, overheard, I overheard them say, well, maybe, maybe it's not a new Chris. Maybe it's the real Chris, but it's coming out. It's only coming out now. And I, I, he got a sense that his family, even though they made fun of him or poked him a bit, uh, kind of deeply respected his faith. And so I said, maybe you need to be there, but you need to measure your exposure. Maybe you can, you can tell that if maybe spending uh, two full weeks with them is not going to be as helpful. Maybe stay a few days. And in any, in any similar situations, you might use those two criteria. Do I need to be there? Is there a purpose for me out of charity and justice and my mission? And secondly, how, much, how well can you take it? And finally, the fourth thing you can do is, is read this great classic, the, the Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. It can help you see yourself reflected in those characters and discover maybe what are those, some of those costly stones of the temple that, that you might be clinging to in some way. And maybe the Lord, through that reading, might invite you to let go of those things and, and discover a deeper foundation in the true rock that is Christ himself. So may we pray. Lord Jesus, thank you because of your friendship is such a stabilizing force in my life. Lord God, strengthen those of us here who are going through difficult times and need your grace and your mercy, your, your hand to steady us as good shepherd through the dark valley. Lord, Lord, allow us to love the right things, to develop those deeper roots. May our lives be established on you, on your promise, on the power of your spirit, and not on things that are not stable enough to support us. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.